Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nation Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering eight total conversations. Four on Saturday from episode 23, our discussion with Stephen Harrison about challenges and opportunities in Nash drug development. And Sunday, four more from episode 21, our discussion with EASL Vice Secretary Alexander Krag and Education Counselor Sven Franke about next month's EASL Congress 2023. This conversation looks at two questions surrounding screen fail rates and improved methods. First, Stephen Harrison, Louise Campbell, and I all consider different approaches to scoring levels of and improvements in hepatocellular ballooning and what the implications of this might be for screen fail rates and placebo rates in trials. In the final question, I ask what each of us believes will be the biggest difference to emerge in trial design and execution over the next two years. Not surprisingly, our answers vary. You'll need to listen to learn more. The previous Friday's FDA Advisory Committee meeting took a bit of wind out of everybody's sails and, once again, asked us to look more critically at what a drug must do to succeed in trial and in parallel. What steps the research community and stakeholders can take to improve patient enrollment process, which is the positive spin on the phrase reduce screen fail rates. Last weekend's episode 22 conversation with Jorn Schottenberg and Donna Cryer looked at this issue from one perspective, and this one with Louise Campbell and Stephen Harrison and me looks from a different one, somewhat different one at least. These are important issues if we are to provide patients and prescribers with the pharmacologic supports they will need to stem this growing pandemic of fatty liver disease, and we've got some top people commenting here. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. Stephen Harrison. Let's take a deeper dive beyond two pathologists looking at digital or glass and then trying to agree on what they see, right? Let's take a deeper dive and really look at this scientifically and say, what makes sense? There's no doubt in my mind that if I have a patient that has an NAS of eight and I take them to an NAS of four, that I've made that patient better. There's no doubt in my mind, but yet they still have NASH. I didn't resolve NASH. They still have NASH, but I cut in half their disease activity. Now, Is there a way that we could use continuous or AI data to show that we have a percent reduction in balloon hepatocytes, for instance, and that percent reduction links to fibrosis improvement or that percent reduction links to a better outcome in a patient? To me, that would be a lot easier to quantify. We wouldn't throw patients out the door because they only had a four-point improvement in NAS but didn't reach NASH resolution, that mythical zero ballooning, if you will. No, we would we would get at ground truth. We would get at the fact that drugs potentially are having an impact and, and that links, that's reasonably likely to predict clinical benefit. I think we could take that next step. We could look at that, you know, and, and that's where we need AI. And that's where I think a lot of AI is going, whether it's PharmaNest, Histoindex, Path AI, any one of them out there, Bioselvi and others, is looking at how quantitation, changes in quantitation, actually link to fibrosis benefit benefit because that is the surrogate that's accepted for long-term outcome. Uh, but but that's just a start. To me, that's just a start. It also helps to use AI assist to lower placebo response rate. Every time we've looked at this, yes, maybe the drug effect is lowered, but so is placebo response rate. Treatment effect deltas often stay the same. But you see a dose-ordered response. When you see a dose-ordered response to efficacy, I b- believe there's more truth in that than seeing a dose that might 
might even be more effective at a lower dose, not as effective at a higher dose. And you saw that with with the Roger Green. Because of a midpoint response. Yeah. And so I think that there's a lot of reasons to to look at how AI can can help. And, and there'll be some great data coming out at Easel speaking to the biomarker qualification program that Path AI has. There's a lot of data forthcoming looking at co-localization with histoindex, you know, where you improve steatosis, you see improvement in fibrosis. Does the same hold true for ballooning? If we're regressing steatosis in that zone, do we see improvement in ballooning as well? There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of opportunity in that if we give it the attention it deserves and we actually take it at face value and actually begin to to accept some of this. Makes sense. Louise? Louise Campbell. Well, I had a question in relation to the biopsy. When we moved from Ishak to Metavir, did we make it more complicated? Because we're trying to define something that's very complicated in less stages and less. So it opens up way more subjectivity. The more taking up your point on if I want to repeat something somewhere in outer Mongolia, I need to know exactly the two millimeter pitting edema. I need to know very, very specific information to repeat it identically to get the outcome that we want. But we don't get that. So is there an argument to go back to something like Ishak? Because it certainly defines stage four for metavir a little bit better because we know there are two different responses in that cirrhosis category. Is that an option or to have both? I think that's a great point and one we've talked about, particularly with cirrhosis, right? There's so many, Ishak breaks that down so much more nicely with the advanced stages of fibrosis than what the NASH CRN staging system does, you know, in defining stage four. It's almost like it's a wastebasket terminology that encompasses a huge spectrum of disease that Ishak at least begins to provide a little more granularity about. Remember, it's also the NASH CRN scoring system was not developed for drug development, right? So we've used it, but now we see the limitations of it. So I do think we need to either, at least in our more advanced patients, like studying a cirrhotic population, we probably do need to look at ISHAC more so than the NASH CRN staging and also apply that to our AI technology and our NITs that are coming out as well. That's a great point. In the middle of the night, you came up with that. If you ask me the five things... 24-7. ask me the five things that Louise is pursuing to me over time, I think Ishak actually makes that list because because it comes up in several different contexts. So closing question, the biggest difference we will see in trial execution design over the next two years is dot, 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 finish sentence, please. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think we'll see more more artificial intelligence data being accumulated in these trials and, and not not post-hoc assessment, but real-time assessment. And potentially, I see a day where AI-assisted pathology, not AI-replaced pathology, but AI-assisted pathology is a potential uh, surrogate endpoint. And then I think we'll bridge to the non-invasive test relative to that data. Uh, Why? Because we get at ground truth much more accurately. Placebo response rates are mitigated. You see ordinal, you see very nice dose response changes to medication. What will be interesting to see is does AI assist come into play for screening our patients, which I think there is a role for that. The issue has been turnaround time. If we can get turnaround time down, I don't see why it wouldn't be helpful for sponsors to have AI assist on the front end, not just on the back end. So 
I was going to ask, can you get it to the, assume you get the turnaround time down, can you get it to the front end faster? Does that require less agreement from FDA or EMA about what, exactly what to do? Well, I mean, I think you don't want to do anything in a vacuum, right? You want to, you want to have these meetings with the agency and talk about what your, your you know, methodology is going to be. But sponsors know that, and that's certainly an area that should be explored. Because if you want to get it right, why do we wait to the end to get it right? Let's get it right at the beginning and put the right people in the trials that can benefit from drug therapy. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, Jeff Lazarus will join Yorn, Louise, and me to review this weekend's Innovations in Natural Care Conference that Jeff and Yorn are chairing virtually as I narrate this. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.